Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Mickey Blog Podcast. We are so excited to have you all back for another episode. This is our 41st episode now. Been doing this a while. Super excited to continue to do this wonderful Disney upbeat positive podcast. New episodes every single Friday. And of course, today's Friday, so get ready for a new episode. Today, we are going to be doing another edition of the Perfect Day series. That's what we're calling it. Essentially, what this series entails is detailing our guide or our best tips, tricks, advice to a perfect day at each of the parks. We've done the Match Kingdom already, so if you want to go back and listen or watch that episode, please do. Got some great feedback on that one, so thank you for the kind comments. And if you guys are excited to hear the other episodes, get ready because we got a new one today. We're talking Epcot today. But before we jump into all that, Alyssa, how are you doing today? Hello. Very good. Uh, always excited about a new podcast. Love working alongside G. Jared. Um, I'm excited. Epcot is one of my favorite parks, uh, as yeah. I'm sure it is yours and many of our listeners. So I'm, I'm excited. Let's, uh, let's do it. Yeah, me too. I'm so, I'm so excited for this episode. I'm so excited for doing all four of the parks and don't worry to all of our listeners. We're still going to be doing plenty of episodes in the future on all sorts of other things. This is just sort of a series we wanted to do where we sort of give you our expert advice. Alyssa has been in the Disney travel planning world, uh, co-owning Mickey Travels for over a decade. I have been working in the Disney blogging and reporting world for almost five years now. So with our experience, we just have a lot of experience in trying to help people plan a day from not just like a great few hours. We mean like start to finish. So you're getting the absolute most out of your Disney day because, you know, those tickets aren't exactly 50 cents like they used to be 50 years ago. You want to make sure you get the most out of it. So... Speaking of Mickey Travels, this episode and every episode is brought to you by Mickey Travels. We'll talk more about Mickey Travels later on in the episode. But let's jump right into our ep- let's jump right into this specific episode. So, Alyssa, when it comes to Epcot and of course starting the day because like we did last episode, we are going to go essentially in chronological order. The way I figure is the first half of this episode, we're going to be talking, you know, more specifics, trying to help people from a logistic standpoint. And then the second half of the episode, much like last episode with the Magic Kingdom, we'll talk some of our favorites, hidden gems, things like that at the park. So starting off at the beginning, I know we talked about early entry when it comes to the Magic Kingdom. Also important with Epcot, but I will say this, and this is not to try to deter people to not use early entry. I just believe it's much more important at the Magic Kingdom than it is at, per se, Epcot. So for me, when I'm thinking about planning a perfect Epcot day, it is much more vital to make sure you get a Guardian's virtual queue to start your day. Because once you get that locked down, start off 7 a.m., you got your virtual queue. Or if you're buying a Lightning Lane or Genie, of course, do it that way. That just kind of sends you down the right path. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And I think just to piggyback on that, uh, tell me if you agree or disagree. Uh, I think one of the reasons that applies um, a little bit more, as you said to Magic Kingdom, is because Epcot does consist of two, I I wouldn't call them parks, but two areas. You've got, you know, your future world, you know, kind of area, uh, as I call it from, you know, a while ago, and the World Showcase. And a lot of the World Showcase doesn't really open until a lot later. Yeah. Whereas when you go in Magic Kingdom 
and you go early entry, you have access to basically the park. Yeah. No, you know, I mean, so I feel like maybe that might be the factor where less is available during that early entry at Epcot versus really the, all three of the other parks. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I mean, look, uh, we're, you know, full disclosure here. We're always promoting Mickey Travels on this podcast. We work for a Disney blog. We're trying to promote people to go to Disney. Of course, we want you to go to Disney and have fun. We want you to stay at Disney and have fun. So I'm never going to tell you to not stay at a Walt Disney World Resort and not enjoy those benefits because it's worth it. But kind of what I was trying to say, very similar to what Alyssa was just saying, is like the benefits to that 30 minutes at Epcot comparatively to these other parks, in my opinion, is actually pretty substantial because they actually hold you uh, by creations when you're doing early entry. I'm sure you remember, Alyssa, you and I were there together for food mm -hmm. and wine this year. They hold you right there. So even yeah. if you wanted to do early entry, get over to test track or certain things like that, it's going to take you even a little bit longer to do that. Um, so there's, of course, there's Spaceship Earth and there's a few attractions you can do right away, but it's just, it's a little bit different where comparatively, as we were talking about in the Magic Kingdom episode, if you guys want to go check that one out, it's like, boom, boom, boom. You can knock off like Mine Train, Space Mountain, major, major attractions. So if I were to say prioritize one thing or the other, in my opinion, get the Guardians uh, virtual queue first and foremost, and then if you need that extra 30 minutes for some reason, if you don't need to be there that early, it's not going to like make or break your day. Trust me, I have a full guide for you guys today on how to tackle Epcot, uh, no matter what, whether you start at 9 or 8 or 8.30, like it's going to be okay. But I would totally agree with what you were saying, Alyssa, in regards to just like how much you can do at some of the other parks in that short time period. But I don't know. Absolutely. And I have to say, and I think this applies actually to all four parks um, and certainly does with Epcot as well. Um, I will say, and I know this isn't a reason to get early or to utilize early entry, but, you know, remember one of the tips, I would actually say this for all four of the parks, um, you know, go to Starbucks, get your cup of coffee yeah. early, right? I mean, yeah, you yeah. can definitely, where they held us at Creations, Jared, we would have had the ability to go into... Uh, connections and get, um, you know, a Starbucks ahead of time. So, you know, um, mm -hmm. and, and to be honest, if you're a Starbucks person or you're a Joffrey's person, you like your coffee in the morning, the lines do get long throughout the day. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. So long might be an advantage to get there a little early, get, grab that cup of coffee. You're one of the first ones to get it. Then you're off when they start releasing people into the park. That is, that is very good advice, actually. In fact, in that 30 minutes where you're norm normally at Magic Kingdom, you could tackle uh, an attraction or two, maybe even three, if you really get a move on. Um, with Epcot, getting in there to get your coffee, your breakfast, and things like that, and then getting a jump start, that actually is a big time saver because that <laughs> – man, I know Alyssa has seen it – that Connections Starbucks line can get very, very long. And and it gets that long by 9.30 a.m. almost every single day. So you, you got to expect a very long line if you want, because everybody wants their coffee, right? So, you know, 
So either way, just something to think about, which actually brings me to another little little tip I wanted to bring uh, to the table while we're talking about coffee. In the mornings, lots of people don't know this, Alyssa, I found – um, and I know because whenever we cover like a festival and, and cover all those things, oftentimes I've noticed like people are like, oh, I didn't even know that was there. There are four Joffrey locations at Epcot. Okay. And that's not the case at the other parks. It, they do not have that many Joffreys at any of the other parks. The Magic Kingdom has the one at the TTC and the one in Tomorrowland. That's, that's it. All right. So Animal Kingdom has the one in the entrance and the one back in Asia. Like each park is a little different, but those four Joffrey stands are very vital too for those coffee drinkers and people trying to get things. In fact, if you walk World Showcase and get over there early, the ones in America, for example, or Canada can be a huge time saver because they'll have no line in the morning since nobody's even over there. Well, and Jared, I, I think I would also, that's a great point. I think I would also uh, even go further with that and say, I believe at Epcot with the four different Joffrey's locations, they're, they're also a little unique from each other. Um, you know, I know that during festivals, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, they always have a, each has a different unique drink. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. You know, so I think that's also kind of interesting. So if you're one of those people who wants to experience a festival drink that's unique to Joffrey's, you're going to find one different one and unique one at each of the four locations. So that's kind of interesting, too. It kind of makes you excited to say, you know, the one by the American Adventure has this, you know, unique festival drink. And then you go to Great Britain and there's a Joffrey's there and that might have a different one and the one in front of the park, you know. So I think that's also kind of neat. If you're if you're a coffee person, you're a festival person, you like to experience, you know, the new offerings, you're going to get really unique and different offerings at each of the locations, at each of the Joffrey's throughout um, Epcot. Absolutely. Really good advice. They, it, For example, for Food and Wine Festival, there is absolutely four different signature drinks uh, during the festival, and they do that for all the festivals. Yeah. So, for example, for Festival of the Holidays, which is my favorite Epcot festival, obviously, because I'm a really? holiday. I know. Shocking. Um, wow. You know, they do they do some very cool and unique holiday, uh, you know, drinks, which I'm just going to assign myself when we cover that in a few months. I'm just kidding. I'll spread the love. But, Can I tell uh, you, Karen, <laughs> speaking of which, just to kind of get y'all excited. So in two days, we will be four months from Christmas. I know. Pretty crazy. It's getting closer. And and all those, no offense to our awesome Mickey Blog family of reporters. And, you know, then spooky season will be over and yeah. we'll be into jolly holly Sparkle season. It's going to be Mariah Carey season. It's going to be mistletoe so season. No offense all to all you spooky <laughs> season lovers. I mean, that's all well and good. Jared and I are, you know, we're trying to get into it, but yeah, it's you just, guys just wait. Wait until our listeners experience yeah. you and I during holiday season. I, know. I mean, it's going to I don't know, Jared. It's going to be... The, the Christmas uh, episodes cool. are going to be fun. And yeah. honestly, we may overdo it. We may do too many. We may have like six weeks straight of Christmas episodes. People are going to be like, what dressed are they even music talking the about? We have some music in the background. <laughs> We're going to be dressed accordingly. Oh, um, yeah. No, you know, everyone's got to tune in to see what that's about. Yeah. You guys are going to want to stick around for the, for the holiday Absolutely. episodes. But just to jump into some more stuff with this specific episode, we've now talked, okay, so get your virtual queue at 7 a.m., get on the app, make sure you reserve that virtual queue. If you're not going to get the virtual queue for Guardians, 
use a lightning lane or whatever you plan to do. And remember, there will be more opportunities throughout the day. If you don't get a virtual queue right away, you got 1 o'clock and you also got 6 p.m. So just remember that uh, if you're looking to get a virtual queue. But very, very important nowadays for Epcot. Guardians is a top five attraction at Walt Disney World, in my opinion. And I don't think it's ever going to get removed from my top five. It's just that amazing. Every time I bring friends or family or anybody on that attraction, they come off just like, wow. Um, and I remember the first day you and Greg wrote it, Alyssa, that video and you guys were just so so happy and excited it really is such a cool attraction so we talked that we talked early entry it's important and you can utilize it just don't make it as much of a priority we would both say as magic kingdom or some of the other parks um however you can utilize it for coffee now we next talked about the joffrey locations for coffee so let's get into attractions let's say now Alyssa, let's say the the actual park is open to everybody it's nine o'clock you know everybody can get in what do you what do you give in terms of your best advice for people tackling a day at epcot to get the most out of their day when it comes to attractions because i got a few ideas for this but i want to hear yours first well, I mean, obviously, like you said, I mean, you're going to get your lightning lane, your virtual queue, what have you for Guardians. That's that's a given because you can't not do Guardians. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so let's just put that aside. I think that's sort of its own sort of entity. Um, I mean, to be really honest, you know, um, I find this very interesting, Jared. Tell me what you think. When you walk into Epcot, you're you just you literally are right there at Spaceship Earth. And I love Spaceship Earth as much as anybody else. I mean, I love it. Love it, love it. Um, but that's one that generally does not have long wait times. I mean, yes, it can build up throughout the day, but it's almost so, it's an, it's like a magnet. Oh, it's right there. There's a five or 10 minute wait. Let's go ride it. Yeah, I'm not sure I would suggest that because, well, you, you're going to get on quickly and get off quickly. Other people are heading to more popular attractions. So by the time you get off of Spaceship Earth, now you're like, oh, let's go here, there, and the lines are a lot longer. So don't mm -hmm. be, try to not feed into temptation to go right to Spaceship Earth, even though it's yeah. right there. It's right there. It's easy. You see mm -hmm. how short the wait time is. Keep going. You're going to have time to go see that. Yep. Um, obviously, what I would say are three of the three attractions that have, that yield very long wait times. Uh, would absolutely be Soarin', Test Track, and Frozen Ever After. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, and they are in different locations, right? So find out, you know, based on your family, which one is the most important. And if everybody's thrill seekers, maybe you're going to run to Test Track and ride Test Track. Um, if you've got little princesses in your family, you know, Frozen, it yields very long lines, Maybe head over to Norway and ride, you know, Frozen ever after. Um, can't go wrong with Soren. That's always amazing. Um, so I would tackle those early. And again, remember, you know, don't be swayed by attractions that are quicker to get. For example, I'll give you an exa another example. As you're going to towards Norway, you might have an idea. Let's stop into Mexico and ride, you know, um, <laughs> you know, uh, why am I blanking? Trace uh, Caballeros. Thank you. Trace Caballeros. So, you know, I know totally blank for a minute. Sorry. Um, you know, that's easy to do, right? Cause that usually has shorter lines, but again, you're going to be able to tackle that later on and it won't be as long of a line. So I almost want to say stay focused, 
Um, yeah. I'm just going to put a little plug in here. Your Mickey Travels agent will be able to help guide you through what yield longer lines, what to sort of tackle early on, earlier on the day, and what can be tackled a little bit later on in the day and still be able to see as much as you can. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really great advice. I actually had pretty much the exact same big three uh, as you did. The only difference is instead of Soren, I added uh, Remy's because that is so popular these days. True. Now, one piece of advice that I would actually give to people when it comes to tackling <clears throat> attractions and the biggest piece of advice, which I'll get into in, in a second, is Go for rides first. When it comes to Epcot's, go for rides first because World Showcase is its own animal, but it doesn't officially open until 11 anyways. So yes, you can still walk around the countries, but all the stuff won't actually open until later on in the afternoon. So you want to save World Showcase for your afternoon. So try to get the attractions done, especially the big ones. If you can get them done before 11, before noon, it's going to just make your Epcot day basically smooth sailing and you can kind of do what you want. But the main piece of advice that I was going to give is there are technically two entrances into Epcot. There is, of course, the main entrance out at the front, and then there's the International Gateway entrance, which is back by the Beach Club and Boardwalk and those amazing Walt Disney World resorts. If you're staying at a Skyliner resort, if you're staying at the Boardwalk, the Beach Club, the Yacht Club, if you're staying, you know, uh, or if you're transferring over near Hollywood Studios, however, that entrance can really come in handy. And if you're rope dropping at that entrance, it could change your game plan a little bit. You're going to want to go straight to Remy's because it's right there. You're going to want to go over towards Frozen because you're in World Showcase anyways. So it's really logistically how you want to tackle it. But I know it might be tempting. It might be tempting. Oh, we'll save that for later. But I promise you, things like, for me at least, I notice Frozen in Remy's, you know, like Alyssa said, Test Track, you know, Soren, these attractions, they're going to be long all day. But they are shorter first thing in the morning. And it is easier to get on them first thing in the morning. And the two in world showcase, Remy's and Frozen, they get very long in the later afternoon because everybody's in World Showcase already. So you're walking around and you're like, you know what? Let's jump on a ride. Let's go on this one. And you, you'd be surprised. I mean, I never see those two rides really underneath an hour nowadays. People love them. Kids love them. So that's kind of my game plan. If I were to rope drop from the front of the park, I would say go either Soarin' first or Test Track first and then pick one around World Showcase if I was going in from the back away, jump straight to Remy's or Frozen first because you really you, – you want to get one of those or two of those done quickly in my opinion. I don't know. Absolutely. And I have to say, by the way, because I'm sitting here realizing um, it's called Grand Fiesta Tour. You know what? That's so true. I always yeah, call I it the Trace Caballeros. I know, there's, I know there's listeners that are saying, what are they talking about? Where did they – and yes, the three Caballeros are in that attraction, but – I wanted to correct you, know, right? We always have to correct ourselves. Grand Fiesta Tour in Mexico Pavilion. I just had to, I had to throw that out there so we don't have, we don't want haters hating on us giving inaccurate information. No, this is a, this is a perfect thing for Alyssa. Okay, she gets to say one, uh, we want to give out accurate info, all that, and then two, she can also point out when Jared was wrong. So it's like a and double I went, win. And I went with <laughs> your wrongness. You took me on that. You I know. Took me down the wrong road. I, I and I went, had to correct it because I now I'm like, let's get off the road and let's get onto the right path. So I wanted to, you know, and like I said, you know, 
you always want to own up when we're not sure. I had a, you know, I had a, a, a mind freeze for a minute and now we're back. We're back. But we wanted to make sure yeah. that we gave the right information because I have a feeling some people might say, um, no, it's Grand Fiesta Tour. So I just want to clarify <laughs> that we know better. My yeah. apologies. We we know at least some things. I swear, guys. Absolutely. So why don't right. correct that? All right. So, you know, to kind of continue on with attractions, I think what Alyssa and I are trying to get at here is these big attractions that we've spoken about. Obviously, forget about Guardians. Let's assume you got your virtual queue. But these big attractions, the Remy's, the Frozen's, the Sorin's, the Test Tracks, you want to try to get them out of the way kind of early on because those wait times are only going to get longer throughout your day. And what Alyssa brought up already, very, very good point, something I was also going to mention, is those shorter wait times, they kind of remain pretty short throughout the day. So we're talking about the Finding Nemo's of the world, the Living with the Lands with the world, the Spaceship Earths, you know, like these Journey those into are, Imagination. Journey into Imagination. These are attractions that you can save for the afternoon if you'd like. You're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. You'll still get on them in the afternoon. Now, are there rare moments? If you go Christmas week, even Nemo will be an hour, sure. But, you know, just be aware that you can save some of those for the afternoon. So that's really you know, how you're going to want to tackle attractions with your Epcot day. Just in my opinion, again, everybody's different, but in my opinion, that's, that's my best advice on how you would tackle attractions. Um, now, next up, Alyssa, let's get into the fun stuff because this is the whole reason at least I go to Epcot and that's World Showcase. That's the countries, that's the food, the, I mean, in my opinion, and I think most people's opinions, I'm curious if you'll agree. I think Epcot offers the very best food out of all the four Disney parks. Um, you know, in terms top to bottom experiences, I mean, festivals, even the even the regular countries have amazing food offerings. It, it's it's really hard to beat. I'm not going to lie. So, let's say the country's open at 11 um or you're you've wrapped up what you wanted to do before 11 and you're like, "Okay, I'm ready for the countries." If a festival is going on, of course, enjoy the festival. But a piece of advice that I often give out, and I'm not sure if you'll if you'll agree with this or what you normally say to clients, Alyssa, uh, but when it comes to food at Epcot, there are a few great sit-downs. Don't get me wrong. But this is one of those parks you almost want to just kind of bounce around and try things, and that's okay. Like, you don't have to have a sit-down. Now... There's a few sit-downs I'm going to talk about later during my favorites in Epcot during the second half of the episode. But would you sort of agree with that, that Epcot is one of those places where you can kind of bounce around and try things as you go? Absolutely. Um, I, I would call it a grazing park where yeah. you can simply – I'm a grazer. That's kind of yeah. how I am on a daily basis. I graze. I don't – you know, I'm not necessarily a breakfast at 7, lunch at noon, dinner at 6. Depends, right? I like to graze. Um, yeah. I do fully agree with that. Um, and of course, there's no better time to graze or bounce around as during a festival because the festival yeah. booths have, you know, what, what I love so much about the festival booths is not only the array of food that you can actually sample, but that they're tiny plates. Yeah. So you can actually get a lot. You know, if they were bigger plates, you'd be like, oh gosh, I, I just ate here. I, I, I'm so full. Um, you can have a little bite of something. You can share a smaller plate um, and then keep going and say, you know, I just had this here and this here. Um, 
Now, when you're a Mickey blog reporter and you're eating every item from every booth, um, it becomes a lot. But, you know, that's just us. You know, our our, our listeners yeah. are not doing that. Um, but I absolutely think that some of the best food, drinks, and snacks do live inside Epcot. Um, yeah. You know, there's you see a lot of people always saying eating and drinking around the world. Yeah. And that's at Epcot, you know, regardless of a festival or not. Um, so even on... Not, I, and to be honest with you, non-festival days are few and far between. Yeah, I know. Nowadays. They really are. I don't mean that in a yeah. negative way, but like it's a rare day that there's not an Epcot festival during the year. I know. And and when there isn't, it's kind of funny to be there because it feels almost like empty in a way, even though it's not. Like there's still so much to eat and drink, but it almost feels like you're like, what? What? There's, it's isn't there very, a lot very more true. Yeah. Well, and what's really funny is even in between festivals, they put up booths for the next festival. I know. Yeah, so you're, you're never really like, out of it. Okay, they're not there now. But, you know, um, to be fair, I think that Disney has made festivals a core focus of this park. Yeah. Um, and I don't have any issue with it um, at all. I, I'm going to be honest. We like to keep it real here. I believe a couple of the festivals last a little longer than they should. Um, in particular, the current one going on. Uh, I do think food and wine, it, it's a little long, um, especially as you and I have said before, Jared, it's hard in 120 degree heat to drink hot mold apple cider <laughs> or hot soup. You know, I, it, it, I so, love soup you know, in 100 degrees. Don't get me yeah, wrong. You but know, I agree. I'm going to keep it real there. Um, <laughs> But overall, I would say, um, yes, the food and drink, um, it's definitely more of a, I think when you think about the other parks, um, there's not as much, many offerings when it comes to food and drinks, for sure. If you are a foodie, Epcot is your park. Yeah. I, I mean, to, to give you an example, okay, I was recently at the dentist's office and my dentist said, what do you do for a living? And I tried to explain it because sometimes it's difficult to explain what I do for a living, covering the Disney parks full time and being a reporter and, you know, uh, hosting a podcast and all these things. And, I, and my dentist said, oh, my wife and I just uh, – we, we only go to Epcot. We have an annual pass, but we only like to go to Epcot and walk around the world and eat and drink. And I was like, you'd be surprised at how many people like to do that. Like it's it's very true. It's very it's a very popular thing. Epcot is known for the eating and the drinking around the world. People got T-shirts every single day in that park saying eating and drinking around the world. Like it's it's the it's the way to do it. And so just to just to like. So we're given some specific information, uh, just so you're aware, we are going to jump into some more specifics in the second half of this episode. So have no fear in terms of like favorite things to eat around the country's favorite places. I like to, I like to save some of the more like Alyssa and I's personal opinions for second halves of episodes. First half of episodes, we like to get into more like, you know, informational, um, things like that, because, you know, if uh, Alyssa and I just go on and on about how, uh, why why we love the Canada waterfall and and this one baguette from France you might not be as interested uh we got to give you the the information first so don't worry we're going to talk about food uh some more in the second half of the episodes but let's say you have gone around the countries you've gotten to try all sorts of eating and drinking you're realizing okay it's it's the day's kind of winding down it's five o'clock it's six o'clock it's seven o'clock whatever if I were you um, a must do absolutely cannot leave this park without doing it. 
You have to stick around to see Beacons, in my opinion. Uh, now, of course, the fireworks shows are amazing, too. We're very excited for the new fireworks show that's coming. But Beacons, in my opinion, is the best thing that came out of Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. Um, and it's it was one of those things that I think Alyssa would agree with me on this one. Like, there would have been, like, riots, uh, like pilgrimages people would have been hosting up signs outside of the entrance uh if they took that away like people are so in love with beacons now that i don't know if they'll ever take it away um and it's it's a must do in my opinion when you're leaving the park uh you got to go out to the front stand near the stand near spaceship earth and watch it because it is so so cool it's gorgeous the music the lights it's very cool would you uh i'm guessing you're gonna agree with that one <laughs> I, I agree wholeheartedly. Funny thing about that is, how did we live without all the little lights on Spaceship Earth before they were installed? Because when you think about it, it is the perfect thing to put beautiful lights on. I know. And I, I think to myself, you know, I, we, I mean, it's only a very short period of time that they've been on there. And by the way, I'll take it a step further. Even when there's no music, the actual beacons, just seeing it lit at night with all the different colors and configurations, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I do want to add one thing. Um, this is not Epcot specific, but I think about it when I kind of put myself where you had us, Jared, like looking at the, at the beacons. Um, you mentioned about it's one of the best things that came out of the 20th, uh, the 50th, excuse me. Um, another thing that I am loving out of the 50th that I don't think they're taking away. And I'm really excited they thought of and are keeping. And those are the lights under the monorail. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What I'm and I know that that's not Epcot, so I apologize that I kind of derailed a little bit. Get it? Right. Did you get that derailed? <laughs> Did you get that? Okay. Sorry. I got it. I got it. Okay. Just want to make sure everyone <laughs> like kind of heard that. Um, Did everybody hear intended. that? Pun intended. Um, but when you see these lights under the monorail, they kind of do match the beacons. Um, mm -hmm. And by the way, just a little uh, tidbit or a little FYI for those that are listening. Um, they have been changing the light colors under the monorails based on holidays. So mm -hmm. 4th of July, they had red, white, and blue. And you see it go by and the red, white, and blue kind of trail. Uh, right now, they have purple and orange for holiday, ha Halloween season. Jared, can you guess what they might do for holiday season? Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be yellow and uh, orange. Um. <laughs> could be. Could be. I'm going to guess that Jared and I are going to go crazy when we see red and green lights go yeah. you know, under the monorail. Um, and by the way, how about beacons during the holidays? Oh, see, Is that that's... going to be ridiculous? Oh, it's so cool. And that's another thing I was going to mention because what Alyssa was just mentioning about them changing the colors with the lights and everything, they also do change beacons during every festival. So, you know, for example, during uh, Flower and Garden, they do a Pocahontas, uh, you know, um, beacons. And during Food and Wine, they do a Be Our Guest beacons and, you know, uh, Lumiere one. And then during even Epcot's 40th anniversary, they had this whole big tribute to Epcot in the 40 years and you could hear Walt's voice. It was very cool. So they do one during the holiday season as well. And, and, um, you know, festival of the arts. So it's a year round thing. And, and it's kind of a rainbow connection during the arts. Correct. Yeah, there the was, yeah, uh, okay. you could, you could hear like some figment stuff too, which was cool. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like, if you're, if you're going to Epcot, you, 
it it depends on the time of year you're going on what beacons you're going to get, which is exciting because it makes you want to come back and see the other ones. Um, but really, there's once, as I was mentioning, if you've gotten on all the attractions, you know, you got to do even the, the smaller wait times in the afternoons, the you know, the, the quieter ones, the Nemo's, the spaceship Earths, the living with the lands, which by the way, I have love for a lot of the quieter ones. Uh, just, just so you're all aware, I'm not talking ill upon them. I'm just saying they're less wait times. If you've gotten on all the attractions from the less wait times ones to the big ones, you've gotten to do the eating and drinking around the world. You've done your world showcase lap. You're getting towards seven, eight o'clock and you're like, Oh, what else do we need to do before we leave? Do not leave before you see beacons. I understand you might think like, okay, you know what? I can take off, you know, I get it. But trust me, um, it's worth it. And in my opinion, I haven't seen the new fireworks show yet. Uh, neither has Alyssa, so we can't really make that decision. But in my opinion, it's it's cooler to watch than the fireworks right now, in my opinion. That's just me. I love the fireworks too. But I just love beacons more than almost anything else nighttime related at Disney um, when it comes to shows. Happily Ever After is, of course, really special. And I was a huge Illuminations fan, so maybe I'm just, you know, grumpy that that's gone. But I don't know. Just my opinion. Well, Darren, I know, I know you want to get into the second half, but I do want to say two really quick things before we get into any specifics or what have you. Um, number one, I want to give a shout out to Epcot for this aspect. I think Epcot is the only park of the four theme parks that really has sort of calendar based differences throughout the year. Now mm -hmm. I will say the holidays are an exception because you have holidays. When I say holidays, Christmas time um, at each of the parks, right? They go, yeah, they go crazy. So I, I, I'm giving them that. And I will say magic kingdom does a lot of Halloween. I mean, they're really the only park that's yeah really focused on Halloween, but Holiday-wise, during the holiday season, I'll give it to all four. But Epcot has a different feel multiple times of the year. Yeah. Unlike, think about it. If you really want to take Hollywood Studios for a second, other than Christmas time, Hollywood Studios is pretty much Hollywood Studios. We love Hollywood Studios, but it doesn't change, right? It's pretty much yeah. the same year-round other than holiday season. Yeah. But Epcot has a transitional tone to it based on the time of year and the festival that's being offered. And I think that makes it a very unique park and why it's very loved by so many. So I wanted to kind of give a shout out to knowing that it's um, sort of like an amphibious type of park where it's kind of a chameleon. It's changing its colors. It's changing mm -hmm. its way m many more times throughout the year than any of the other three parks. Yeah, no, I, I think that's an amazing point. I think if I were to pick, it's kind of hard because I will say if I had to pick like my favorite Walt Disney World Park, in my opinion, it's Hollywood Studios. It's not really a shocker. I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm a Toy Story fan. Like that's my favorite animated film. I know you don't care, but I, and I love Sunset Let's Boulevard. Take a break right now but while you no, talk about Star Wars. I'm just saying <laughs> I love that park be because of these things, but I especially love Hollywood Studios during the holidays. Now, Gorgeous. yeah, and now Epcot is a park I can go to year round and love it just the same. So that's why those two are always like battling like first and second for the four Walt Disney World parks because Epcot, I can go any time of year to Epcot and be like, oh, I, I'm having a great time. 
where Hollywood Studios, I'm not going to lie, when it's not Christmas time, am I having fun? Sure, but it's not as fun. Because when it's holiday season and you got the Christmas tree and they do amazing decorations, like seriously, I don't know, I don't know who on the Disney design department woke up and was like, you know what, let's make Hollywood Studios just absolutely covered in garland and lights. Gorgeous <laughs> park at the holidays. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous, for they sure. They crush it. But, yeah, but no, no doubt about it. And, we, and we'll talk about that when we do continue our best day series um, yep. at Hollywood yep. Studios. Absolutely. Uh, so let's jump into the second half of our episode. But before we do, I do want to mention, as always, that this episode of the Mickey Blog Podcast is brought to you by Mickey Travels. And Mickey Travels is a nationally recognized leader in Disney vacation planning. They are diamond earmarked by Disney and their services are always 100% free. Reach out to Mickey Travels today for a free quote on your Disney vacation at MickeyTravels.com. That's MickeyTravels.com, making magic one vacation at a time. Now, as we've spoken about many times on this podcast when it comes to Mickey Travels, obviously Alyssa is a co-owner of Mickey Travels, so she uh, helped create the uh, entire agency and, you know, can speak on it much better than even I can. I've come around and, and I know a thing or two about Mickey Travels now, but not not quite as much as she does. But the, the main point we want to hammer home when we're going through this Perfect Day series is every single Mickey Travels agent is going to have this knowledge that we're talking about. And that's the beauty of getting set up with the Mickey Travels agent. If you want to plan a great day at Epcot or a great week at Walt Disney World, you know, go through Mickey Travels because these agents will be there to help you and give you this type of expert advice that we're giving you through a podcast episode. They can help you through every step of the way with every single park and your resort and magic bands and checking in and checking out. I mean, every little part, it just makes your vacation that much easier and it's at no additional cost. So it's just something you'll we're gonna we're gonna keep reminding you until you hate us, but it's okay. Uh it, I promise you it is worth it. We're gonna um, keep reminding you until you reach out to Mickey Travels and find your perfect agent. Exactly. And then you can contact us and be like, All right, Jared, Alyssa, you know what? That was a good idea. That was oh, that was a good 100%. idea. <laughs> I, I give you my word, they're the best in the business. I will say, actually, uh, just this past week, we got um, a message uh, from, uh, I'm not going to name their name, of course, but I uh, got a message from somebody who said, hey, you know, listener of the podcast, we reached out to Mickey Travels, we're going on a vacation and uh, using them. That's always great to get those messages. You know, love I love I love to get the support from, you know, the supportive messages, the, the ratings on Apple Podcasts, things like that. I love seeing that, but it is really nice to see people actually booking trips and utilizing Mickey Travels. We're not trying to sell you something like a candy bar or an ice cream brand. We're not selling you something that we're just getting paid a sponsorship fee from. We're selling you something that we believe in that we've used that we have people who've used it's it's important so um let's jump into our personal favorites in the second half of the episode so what we're going to do in the second half of this episode is talk more about we've already talked logistics how we would go about a day from start to finish whether it's you know literally rope drop to closing with the final shows and beacons and things like that but the second half of the episode we're going to talk more specifics in terms of like okay where are you going to eat around the world or which rides are you going to also enjoy that might not be as obvious to you? Or maybe even go on this attraction at this certain time period or go to this part of the park that isn't always that occupied. Little tips and tricks that we both will have. So to start off, 
let me jump into one of my little personal favorite tidbits when going to Epcot, and that's actually enjoying the seas after you go on Finding Nemo. Um, this is like one of those things where most people wouldn't think about it, but it's actually the second biggest, um, you know, one of the second biggest uh, saltwater aquariums in the U.S., uh, fun fact, and um, it's it's really, really impressive in there. It's also a great place to get some AC, catch a break. There's a play area for your children, but even if you don't want to go on the Nemo ride, like, go into the seas because it's a great place to take a breather for a little bit. You get to learn about some amazing ocean um, animals all over the globe, and those tanks, especially that big one upstairs once you're sitting in the middle, it's very, very impressive. So, not sure if you uh, if you also love it over there like I do, Alyssa, but that's just a little kind of fun tip that I like to give people because sometimes it's hot and you're running around and there's so much going on. So if you do need to take a 15 to 20 minute breather throughout your day, or even if you just really love oceans or, you know, sea animals, I think stop there throughout your Epcot day. It's worth it. I, I agree. Um, I'm going to be very transparent. I have not been in there in quite a while. Um, who doesn't love to stick their head through shark, a shark's mouth and get a cute picture, right? Cause you got that big shark there. Exactly. Um, I also think it's really fun when you see the scuba divers in there. Um, yeah. and if you're really lucky, you get to see Mickey scuba diver, but like that's few and far between. Um, I think it's great. I also have to say, and I know this is sort of a lame thing to say, but you know, we keep it real on the podcast. It is, you know, any opportunity to grab some AC is always great. And a lot of times you're grabbing AC somewhere that what's around, you know, oh, I'm just trying to cool off. This is kind of, you know, checking both boxes. You're getting cooler, but you're also experiencing something really unique and fun. So I, I do agree with that. Um, I think that that is, um, it's kind of nice where you have, you get off an attraction. Usually you're dumped into a, uh, a, gift, a, store, shop. Yeah. a gift shop. Um, but then to feel like, it's almost like it, the fun continues. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't really happen in a lot of attractions. A lot of attractions, you're off, yeah. you're through a gift shop, you're out. This is sort of a bonus. It's like a bonus Pac-Man. Well, I think this is a genius. In my opinion, Disney doesn't always do the best job at incorporating IP um, into their theme parks. And what I mean by that, if you're not sure what IP is, that means attractions and you know shows based off of like you know, established type of franchises. Brands. Like, exactly. Like, okay, Remy's, like, that's based off of Ratatouille. Disney doesn't always do a great job with that. comparatively to, like, their original attractions. Like Haunted Mansion, that's an original idea. That's not based off of a movie. It's an original <laughs> idea. Pirates is an original idea. The movies came after. But they did a great job with this one because I think Nemo, like kids love Nemo. So of course kids want to go on the Nemo attractions. It's one of Disney's highest selling, most profitable Pixar franchises. But on top of that, they're, they're still incorporating the main reasons and lessons of Epcot, which is to appreciate the your planet, appreciate the globe, appreciate what's going on around you so you can learn from it and improve things. Conservation. That's Exactly. And they do a whole deep dive there into the seas in that in that entire area. I mean, you can go learn, you can go meet a few manatees that have been saved by Disney and they're being kept there because they were injured. You can go see dolphins. I mean, 
you know, sea turtles. It, it's very, very cool. And I, I do think it's worth a stop. But I promise you guys that I just wanted to briefly mention it. We're not going to spend 50 minutes on the seas. Um, so is there any other spots for you, Alyssa, that you like to point out to people that might not be as obvious, might not be like as like, okay, like, you know, go go to test track, go to sword. Like, obviously, like most people right. are going to say that. Is right. there any spots that you think? So I'm going to, yes, but I'm, I'm going to take it a different, different route, if I may, for a minute. Of course. Um, and I'm going to, it's not, I'm not going attraction uh, based. Go ahead. So, and this is sort of two things in one. Um, Jared, you and I have had this conversation before. I'm going back into the World Showcase with, with this. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, um, I am guilty of this, but I have made it a point to try to be so much better at this. Um, I tend to sort of just be surface-like when I go around the world mm-hmm. showcase. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just around the circumference of what's going on. Go inside, go, yeah. get, go a little deeper in Jerry and I talked about this, go yep. a little deeper. And this yep. actually happened. Um, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law came to visit a few months back and we had dinner in Mexico and they haven't been here in a while. So we were walking around the world showcase. I figured it was going to be our typical walk, but it really wasn't because we got to Morocco and my brother-in-law was like, can we actually go in there? I was like, yeah, I haven't been there in forever. We spent about an hour inside the Moroccan pavilion. Yeah. Shops, you know, little. There's a sangria bar back there. Yeah. It's so amazing. We talked to cast members back there. Um, Mm -hmm. It was an experience that I have not given myself in a long time. And that experience exists in all of the uh, pavilions. So, you know, go in, you know, see what it's about. You're going to be really surprised what you find back there. Um, So that's the number one. But to piggyback on that, and this is something I'm absolutely enthralled with, and that is um, those are the international representatives that are there. Um, Obviously, after COVID, uh, they didn't, we didn't have those, right? Because they weren't able to travel here. They're back. They Mm -hmm. have stories. They have things to share with you about their culture and their country. And I will tell you, you can learn so much from these cultural representatives that come here from each of the countries. They can tell you recipes. They can tell you historical and cultural, uh, you know, stories and and sagas and uh, family situations and where things are and what things mean to them. Um, They will talk to you about anything that you want. And I have to say, when when Disney reopened, and I was thrilled they reopened, I, I'm going to be honest for a minute, I was not into the World Showcase when it first reopened. Because, yeah. no offense to Americans, right? But there is something really different about going to one of their restaurants or one of their stores or just being in their pavilion. And these are people just like us who know as little about the country as I do. Yeah. I don't blame the situation. That was just that cards we were dealt. But Mm -hmm. now that things look more normal and the cultural representatives are back, embrace it. They are such special people that have so many stories to tell. So I will say, go a little deeper into the, into the countries and immerse with the cultural representatives. It will give you a whole new perspective of Epcot. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. In fact, that's something I've like specifically mentioned on this podcast mm-hmm. several times now over the past uh, almost year since we started it. I, I've mentioned on multiple occasions, like appreciate the countries and walk through them because they really are so detailed, so amazing. I mean, my favorite country um, in World Showcase is actually Canada. And I remember being a kid, I wouldn't have, you, I would have been like, oh, Italy, you know, pizza, like, you know, like, you don't think about it, but it's because of the way it's designed. I mean, there's these gorgeous flower beds down there. There's the little water down there. There's a little cottage, the way they set up the countryside section. Of course, the Cellier, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, Um, you know, and then there's that gorgeous bridge that leads back to the waterfall. Um, You know, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, country and you know it makes you appreciate and be like you know what maybe I do want to go visit Canada someday like there's these are things that you can experience when you actually explore the countries because every single country around the world showcases like that I mean seriously Japan I remember one day I explored the back end of Japan and I was walking around and I was like I didn't even know this was in Epcot like what is going on back here it's Jared, I, I actually park. say if you don't go into France if you don't really go in You'd never know about your favorite bakery back there. Le Halls, Because yeah. that is tucked away all the way in the back of, of yeah. the France Pavilion. Like, if you just kind of, even if you went to where Beauty and the Beast is, you yeah. still have to turn left to I go know. into that area. So if you don't explore, imagine there's an ice cream place back there. There's another mm-hmm. shop. Imagine if, and I know it's one of your favorites, imagine if you didn't take a walk in there. You don't know it's back there. Oh, I know. I mean, and and that brings us to our next point. And that's uh, some of our favorite, you know, things to eat and drink around uh, World Showcase and around Epcot in general, you know, when you go to the go to this park, because earlier, as I mentioned, I told you we were going to talk about this in the second half of the episode, we're going to get into more specifics on things you want to eat and drink. Now, as I mentioned, when you're going to Epcot, it's not one where you have to have a, a sit down set up, you know, it's not like, like, you know, for example, if you go to uh, Hollywood Studios, for lots of people, something like Roundup Rodeo Barbecue or going to Sci-Fi Dine-In can really, like, change your experience because you're like, oh, this is so cool. I feel so immersed. Like, Epcot, there's so many little things you can get around. However, there are a few sit-down dining locations I do have to mention that are pretty, pretty spectacular, and it is worth spending the extra money and doing that. Um, one is Le Cellier in Canada. Uh, for me, the best steak on Disney property, uh, top five restaurant for me on Disney property, not even close. It's easily, easily up there. This is a restaurant I've been going to my whole life. I mean, my family made it a point every single trip. We had to eat there. Like usually last night of the trip, we've celebrated anniversaries there. My parents' 20th anniversary, everything and anything always had a good meal from the steak to the pretzel bread to the cheese soup. I mean, it's always amazing. That's Brussels sprouts on property. Yeah. Alyssa has mentioned that before too. Um, you know, so that's that's worth it. Space 220 is another one. People really, really love it. It is a prefix uh, t- sort of deal, but there's a lounge as well. Do you want to go dine in space? It's really, really cool. That's it's an worth experience. It it's an experiential meal. Exactly. It's not It's not so much for the food itself. Although it's I've, experience. Yeah, and I have had pretty good food there. I just think that it is, like Alyssa said, it's for the experience. Another one that I have to mention is Via Napoli, the pizza location over in Italy. There's not many amazing pizza locations in Walt Disney World. 
but Via Napoli for me is like a must, must eat. Uh, incredible Italian brick oven style pizza. They bring the water in from Pennsylvania to have better quality water. The chefs, as Alyssa was mentioning, all these chefs, all these waiting staff, they're all from Italy. They want to talk to you about Italy, how they make their pizza. I mean, it's it's incredible. So do you have any specifics when it comes to sit-downs and then afterwards in a, in a few minutes, Alyssa will talk about some quick service places because as you mentioned, you got me excited talking about France. So I got to talk about the bakery again, but do you I have know any you specifics? Do. So Le Cellier is definitely one of our top choices. Um, I also think Teppanito in Japan is super fun. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously hibachi style, but they do put a twist on it. It's a little Disney-fied. So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of fun. Um, I will say one of our favorites is La Hacienda in Mexico. Yeah. Um, the, the food is great. Um, again, they brought back the international, the cultural representatives. So I love that. But yep. if you do your timing right, you can sit there. They pipe the music in for whatever nighttime show is being offered. And mm -hmm. you can actually watch that. It's right on the lagoon. Um, yeah. so that's always a great, great meal as well. Um, I would say those are probably our three top, uh, sit downs when it comes to, um, Epcot. Yeah. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. No, I, I think that's, I think those are great options, but talking quick service next, cause again, we were mentioning, you know, walking around world showcase, there's a lot, I mean, a lot of amazing options for me. I, as we already were mentioning about the bakery in France, one of my favorite locations, easily a top tier quick service for me. If you're going to go to France, you got to go into Les Halls, go to the very back, go get a ham and cheese baguette. They have amazing beignets. The desserts are incredible. I mean, it's, Jared, I see with a, with a beret on I'm, my I'm, visual. I'm ready to get in my car right now. I'm going, uh, yeah, I, I see, I see the visual, just kind of skipping the beret, yeah, the baguette. The, I, I, I see I, the visual. I, I, I can't wait to actually visit Paris and send you a photo of me with a beret on, but, um, but no, it, it's, it's worth stopping there. Another place I actually want to mention that is actually more of a recent opening when it comes to Disney that I really, really enjoy is Regal Eagle, uh, the smokehouse in the American pavilion. I, I wasn't impressed by the menu or what it looked like when I first heard about it, but not only did they have a great like walk up bar outside which is really cool if you're trying to get a cocktail or a beer or wine or something um but the food and drinks in there is actually very very good it's it's well priced and you can actually use it um for the dining packages um so just something i wanted to briefly mention also when it comes to being napoli there's also a little pizza window that are off is often open most days um lots of the countries do have quick service from japan to china you know, things like that. If you want to just walk up, get yourself some Chinese food really quickly and keep on moving, you know, like that's available. Same thing with Mexico. Like each country has those options. And it and it's so exciting for me because this advice we're giving you right now, this is applicable any time of year. Like we're, we haven't even gotten into the booths. We haven't even mentioned the booths. Speaking of booths, if you guys want a more Epcot Festival specific episode, Alyssa and I did do an Epcot Festival episode a few weeks ago. So you can go check that episode out. But we're just talking about food that's available year-round, which is really cool. Yeah. So I, I'm going to just jump in and say, um, yeah, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but one of my favorite – and this is going out I'm, – I'm coming back in away from the countries. Crazy. Um, I'm a big fan of Connections Eatery. Um, You've mentioned that before, actually. 
Yes, because they have amazing. Okay, I'm gonna battle this with you, with you, Jared. Oh man, I know it's crazy because everybody loves Viennapoli, but they have incredible pizza at Connections Eatery. I know you're like, what? Doesn't make sense. You have to try it. Come back and tell me. Um, I just tell anybody to go try that. I think Connections Eatery. It's spacious. Um, it is nicely located. From, you know, wherever, whether you're shopping at Creations, you're in, you know, coming off of Guardians or just walking through. So that's a big thing. I will say just to mention a couple of snacks. Am I allowed to kind of mention of that real quick? Because it's kind of. Um, so a couple things that I love that come from Epcot. Um, I am not a beer drinker, but I love Schoferhofer. Yeah. And when it comes out of the tap in Germany, it, yeah. it is yummy. I love it. So if anybody is not a huge beer drinker, I don't drink beer, but it is a grapefruit beer that comes from Germany. Out of the tap, it is Rockstar. Yeah. You you just brought up something I wasn't even going to mention. Germany is not only a great uh, place to explore. Go to Germany, okay? Uh, Caramel Coucher is one of I the greatest. I think you're going there. Yeah. yeah you can smell it's... it as you walk by. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. If you like caramel at all, you have <sighs> to go there. I mean, they have so many amazing desserts. The caramel popcorn, when it's fresh, is incredible. They have all Everything is worth Oh, yeah. It's so fantastic. But, I mean, Alyssa, of course I like this place, okay? You got caramel store the christmas store and then beer back to back to back i mean that's like three of my do favorite things you have to ever leave <laughs> i mean now yeah. i will say and i know time is getting away from us i do also want to mention another thing that comes specifically from epcot that i think is also really really good um in norway there's the kringla bakery mm-hmm. and if you've never had school bread it is yeah. one of the best treats that you can have. It is so yummy. It's light. It's sweet. Um, what's really nice about Kringla Bakery is you walk through, everything's in cases, so you can see mm-hmm. what you're ordering ahead of time. You pay, and then they actually have seating around back, which is all covered, so you're not mm-hmm. in the sun. Um, I love school bread from Kringla Bakery. Just and I share will- that as well. And just to also throw another one in there when it comes to eating and drinking, these poor people listening and watching us right now are like, great, now I have 5,000 options. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would just also mention if you go to the Land Pavilion, you want to go on Soren, uh, lots of people really love Sunshine Seasons. It's it's a very, yeah. it's a quick service location. You can grab and go sandwiches, but they do like these uh, pizza rolls that people love. They're like, they're like kind of like calzones. Basically, uh, lots of people buy them. There's Asian food there that people really, really love. There's lots of healthy options if you're vegan, vegetarian. There's lots of stuff down there. So that's another great location if you're trying to just like grab and go. And for my dads or my beer drinkers out there, some of the cheapest beers on Disney property are actually located in Sunshine Seasons. Little fun fact from your friend Jared. Uh, but that's you know, fun fact. I like that. And what's cool about that, by the way, if you have a long line, for example. Um, not that I've done this before, Alyssa, hands up. Uh, if you want to go on Soren, all right, you can bring a uh, beer or a wine uh, with you that you bought at Sunshine Seasons. You can bring that on to Soren. Uh, they'll throw you, they'll make you throw it out before you get ready to board, of course. 
but it's just something like if you have a really long line, it's an hour long wait. Uh, the cast members out front will always tell you like, hey, just make sure you finish that by the time you get to our next cast member. I did not know that. That's great. I mean, yeah. he doesn't want to have a beer in hand while watching Patrick. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's great. So just really quick, Jared, I know you probably want to wrap things up and say a couple other things, but mm -hmm. I do want to just say two other quick things about Epcot because I just don't want to leave this, these hanging. Um, yeah. The other thing that I think is very unique about Epcot that Jared, you know, sort of touched on. Um, that international gateway, you know, you could be in Epcot and want a little bit of a break. Walk out the international mm -hmm. gateway and go explore the boardwalk. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there's a great bakery. There's three resorts right on the boardwalk. You can walk around. Um, they're mm -hmm. building, you know, new, they're building a new bakery there. And you can just, there's there's stores. There's a, a couple of restaurants there. Um, yep. So I feel like that's sort of interconnected with, um, with Epcot, because again, it's just a quick thing. You go out, you can come back in. So I do want to say, I think that's a unique thing that Epcot and the Skyliner. And the Skyliner is right there. Skyliner is right there, which is amazing. Um, I happen to be a fan of the Skyliner. I happen to know somebody who is uh, very connected to the <laughs> Skyliner. Um, yeah. Lastly, um, I just want to say this one quick thing before you take over, Jared. And that is um, obviously the excitement about Moana coming yeah. to Epcot. Um, mm -hmm. obviously there's already some cast member previews going on. Um, it's, you know, going to be happening really soon. I can't wait for that whole middle to be open. It's been, you know, boarded up for way longer than we want it to be. I'm excited yeah. to see Epcot all opened up again without walls and barriers and trees. Um, I think that's going to be very, very special. And I think that's another reason to consider coming to Epcot as we go into the end of 2023 and into 2024 to experience something new that Epcot has to offer. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Epcot, uh, it's been, it's been under construction for too long for all of us Disney fans who always loved Epcot. And I think for us to be able to experience Epcot in its full capacity, completed, fully completed is going to be very exciting for all of us. And, um, you know, my last little tip and trick for you guys is if you guys ever want to take some monorail photos, uh, the best ones you can take are at Epcot, in my opinion. The monorail goes through Epcot, so if you're staying at a Magic Kingdom resort, you can walk or take the monorail over to the Transportation and Ticket Center and jump on a monorail over to Epcot. It gives you some amazing views. I'm excited to ride that when Epcot's actually completed, so you're not just seeing construction. But uh, over by the water, by the flower beds during Flower and Garden, amazing spots to take uh, monorail photos. And, you know, Alyssa's right. It's just, it's exciting that we have more things to come. And by the time it's all done, when the middle of the park is fully open, we will have gotten Guardians. We would have gotten Remy's and the France expansion. We would have gotten, you know, of course, Moana's. There's a lot of work that Disney has put into this park. And I'm really hoping people are super receptive and, and, and happy about all the changes. I know we got some diehard Epcot fans out there that are like, oh, I want the old Epcot back. But, you know, Disney himself, I like to remind people this when people are like, the old thing was better. Uh, oftentimes we kind of sound like the grumpy old man in the street. Like, it's not always the case. Yes, sometimes the older thing might have been better. But we got to sometimes take our nostalgia glasses off, do it with me, and remember that in order for things to improve, uh, we must adapt. We must, you know, add new experiences. Kids now watch different films than we did when we were kids. It's important to remember that. And Walt Disney himself used to say, you know, 
we never stop innovating. We never stop building. You know, that's the whole point. Um, you know, Didn't so Walt Disney say Disneyland would never be complete as long as there's imagination in the world? Exactly. Exactly, Alyssa. See, she's got the exact quotes. I'm out here just paraphrasing. And remember what that cuts <laughs> about the magic of possibility. Exactly. We can't stop. You never stop innovating. You never stop. And that's the whole point of Epcot is it's going to continue to evolve. I mean, 20 years from now, Epcot could look even more different, you know, and, and it probably will. There'll be more things there that we were like, oh, I remember when that wasn't there. It's That's the whole point, though. You know, it, it Disney never stops. And it's so more and more generations keep coming and having memories with certain things. But we really hope you guys enjoyed this episode where we covered Epcot. This was your guide to a perfect day at the Epcot theme park. We also have a guide to a perfect day at the Magic Kingdom. If you guys want to go check out that episode, we plan to do multiple episodes in this series. So if you guys want to check out those, of course, come back. We're going to do one for Animal Kingdom. We're going to do one for Hollywood Studios, even some other bonus episodes as well. So definitely come back. Uh, we have new episodes every single Friday of the Mickey Blog Podcast. If you know a Disney fan that might like this podcast, feel free to send them uh, to us. We would really appreciate it. Um, really appreciating all the support. The podcast continues to grow, and, and we just really, really appreciate that from nice comments to uh, five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts, which um, we have uh, over 20 ratings on the Apple Podcasts, and all of them are five stars. So just a huge shout-out to all of you guys for doing that. I mean, uh, it just means the world to us. So thank you so much for your support. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Cannot wait to see you again next week on the next podcast episode. And for all things Disney, please continue to follow Mickey Blog. Check us out on all platforms, and we will see you guys again next week. See you later. Is that a fight? <laughs>